Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience, can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Mind Acceleration Effect. It's interesting to think about how our bodies and our minds and our consciousness interact on a daily basis and how we can really start to understand these parts of ourselves and how they can work together instead of working against us. Because I know we've all been there in life sometimes where it feels like, gosh, I just can't keep having these thoughts or I can't keep focusing on this because it's not healthy for me or it's not bringing what I want into my life. Um, But as we start to evolve and as we start to raise our consciousness, we get into another level of conversation about understanding our power to create and who we really are and how our mind can really help us to expand things in our life or to see things from a new perspective. And therefore we are creating from that energy of the new perspective instead of creating from an old energy or maybe, you know, old kind of patterns or negative thoughts that have kind of run our life. We are really driving the ship more than we realize. Um, And so I'm happy to be having this conversation uh, with our guest today. Mark is best known for leading Fortune 500 companies, as well as individual seven-figure entrepreneurs to realize their full potential. With Jack Canfield's endorsement, he co-wrote the best-selling book, Unleash Your Future, and was the first guest on his show talking about success. Mark It has been featured in everything from the Los Angeles Tribune to Top Talent Magazine, and he has shared the stage with living legends that include Dennis Watley, Bob Proctor, Les Brown, John Assaraf, and more. Mark has even been awarded a U.S. patent for an innovation in the semiconductor industry. When he isn't teaching how to tap into the mind acceleration effect, he can be found running or biking through beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. So with no further ado, please help me welcome Mark Boldazar to the show. Mark, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you, Shauna. I'm very, I'm very happy to be here. I'm, I'm looking forward to a highly energetic uh, conversation coming up. All right, we're gonna do it. So, um, so I was reading over and looking into your work, and I was just really, really captivated by a number of different things. And I'm gonna go into them over our time chatting today. But just so everybody else can get to know you, like I have, um, maybe you can take us back to, you know, it's always like interesting to find out how we come to doing this work in the world and what is the life path, right? Maybe we didn't just grow up at five years old and say, I'm going to teach people how to how to materialize things in their life. Um, so what's a bit about your journey so we can get to know your path? I'd, I'd say it started when I was young. From when I can ever remember, I was always inquisitive. I just wanted to know how things worked, right? I just 
would always ask questions I never accepted. So I'd drive my mother crazy. <clears throat> and that led me to study science, right? I mean, that's the place of inquiry. I like to just solve puzzles and, and mysteries. And so I, I studied chemistry. I went off in the corporate world and spent 30 years as a scientist. Really, what my secret to success was simplifying complex science principles in a way that's easy to understand and easy to practically apply. Because theory doesn't make any money. It doesn't pay the bills. You have to be able to practically apply. And I've always approached things in life that way. So then when it came to, when I became aware of this law of attraction and this power that we could create our, our reality from what, you know, our thoughts and feelings and beliefs, I really just set out to use the same methodology, scientific method, really trying to come down and understand how it worked. Because where I intuitively felt that this law of attraction was real and truthful and I watched the secret, read books like Think and Grow Rich, it was just sorely missing. Okay, how? Now what, right? I'm all revved up, but there's no how. And so that inquisitive mind, I spent years experimenting, studying, bringing in information that ultimately resulted in the book that I co-authored with Takara Sheeler on Unleash Your Future, which is really how the law of attraction really works. And I have a bit of a different take on it than others. Yeah. And, and so how does like, you know, with the scientific mind, right, meeting, we, we were having this, this time where science is meeting, let's say, the mystical, and we're mm -hmm. saying, how is this also scientific? And a lot of, you know, a lot of people in the space will intuit, let's say, or, or, you know, have certain knowledge or wisdom or information that they're bringing through. But with your scientific background, like, what was that journey of saying, okay, how do I test for this? How do I understand this? And how do I practically be able to apply this time and time again and see results? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, um, you know, Einstein talked about how important intuition is in the scientific process. And he stated that really intuition, really any scientific discovery starts with intuition particularly in the absence of where we can physically test. You know, like he was out there on a cutting edge theoretical physics, right? So we couldn't do these physical experiments, right? So you start with intuition and you propose a mechanism. So for me, I proposed a different mechanism on how this works. So instead of it being like attracts like, mine is this unseen thought um, and uh, passion and belief energy gets transformed into your physical experience. But that box of how the transformation goes, you really can't see. And that's where we're at the theoretical part. So then you have to be empirical. And empirical means you're out there, you're doing the experiments, you're looking at results and cause and effect. And, you know, it, and are, you're looking for, well, are there holes in that mechanism? And so of all the experience, the empirical experiments I've done, it's just continued to solidify that model. Now, that doesn't mean that someday the model doesn't change, but that's science. It's like it's never static and still. But you first have to start as a mechanism at which you can deduce from and induce from, do work against, right? And allow others to come in and say, hey, I don't see it that way, you know? Okay, well, let's, let, let, let's work on that because really science and movement in science occurs, only occurs through that debate. You have to be open-minded to the debate. Yeah, I love that. And what is it for you as you're working with, you know, thoughts and feelings and those basically creating new realities and creating, you know, new futures for people? Like, why is it or do you ask yourself this so challenging for people 
to have different thoughts or to have different feelings about things. Like, you know, we all can, you know, it doesn't take a scientist to say, yeah, I can see that people get stuck in thinking or believing a certain way and then getting a lot of the same thing. So why is it for human beings that it seems so challenging to think a different thought, right? Or have a different feeling about it? It's um, it's built into our laws of physics. It's built into the second law of thermodynamics. Now, wait, I'm not going to go off into a very theoretical discussion. I describe the second law of thermodynamics as the law of Legos. And it's really, <laughs> here's why it's so hard. So if you take a box of Legos and you just dump them all over the floor, how it, it takes almost no time. That's the law. The second law of thermodynamics is the law of entropy, which states that a system, people, groups, they want to be in their lowest energy state, expend the least amount of energy. So Legos, when they're spread all over, it's very easy. There's no energy it takes. But now if you want to go reorganize them, just to put them back in the box, you ever get your children to try to put something away, you know how much energy it takes because they don't want to do it. Now think if you're going to build a structure or something with it. So it's the same way with our thoughts. When we want to go do something different, for us, the status quo or our lowest energy state is just doing the same thing over and over again. Yet we want a different result. So that's where insanity comes in. So we have to expend energy. And since we're wired to not want to, to expend the energy, we resist thinking, oh, it's going to be too hard. Now, once you, you don't have to do that energy forever. You just need to expend it to get over the hump to a new status quo and think about it as steps. When we look at that first bit, it's like, uh, this is good enough. I'd rather just stay here and 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 chill and and, and not have to put in the work. So I think that's fundamentally what it is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And we we observe that. We not only, you know, have that experience, but we observe that in other people. So children growing up can observe like, oh, these people in my life haven't, you know, so what's what's the influence on that? Like what's our natural state of being versus like the information receiving receiving from our environment? like in the form of other people, like, because a lot of people will, um, when change shows up at their doorstep, they look around in their life and they say, especially big, you know, kind of spiritual transformational change. It's easy to look around and say, well, nobody else is going through this. Right. Or it seems like nobody else's life is changing in these ways. How much are we influenced by that environment? I think we get influenced a lot by, well, we're by everybody, right? Parents, teachers, spouse, kid, you name it, right? All around. And so one of the big, you you can't manifest what you don't believe is personally possible for you. So these limiting beliefs and boundaries we create, which are greatly affected by all those around us, right? We have to 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 work to work through that. So we live in this world and we think like, we're the only one living this experience because we're afraid to go out and ask, particularly if we're talking about subjects like this, right? So we stay over here and our worst, our inclination is to think like, oh, I'm the only one. And but really, we're not all that special. We're all kind of going through these things. But then when it comes to change, we change is hard, right? And it's built in. There's an equation in the book in Unleash Your Future I have about that that lays out change and why like you have to overcome resistances and one of the, the parts of that equation is how dissatisfied are you with the current state and oftentimes we're okay with settling right what's well, okay I'm, maybe i'm better off than my parents were you know it's not too bad you know i said when i was in the corporate world at the end i was miserably successful right i settled <laughs> for this life but i really wasn't happy and until you can put some other pieces of the equation in place you won't overcome the resistances to that change 
one of which is entropy, that, that second law of thermodynamics we talked about, and the other are maybe what you think others may think. Oh, they're going to think I'm crazy. They're not going through this. There's something wrong with me. And so when you can break it down into co its component parts, I think you can take away the fear and then make it more manageable to go in and, and take change head on. It's not this big, scary thing. Oh, it's got these components. I can do that. I can take it a piece at a time. Yeah, definitely. And when you, so I'm sure in your life, there was a transition out of like your corporate life. And when you were going through that transition, like what was occurring for you? Well, it, it's really interesting because mentally it had been occurring for a number of years. And I was really starting to think about, well, what would that life look like? I, I moved from not believing I could go out and be this consultant in the, in the line of work that I did to kind of in my mind, kind of crafting that. And that's what I manifested. But there was this tipping point for me that as I was doing all this work with the power of the mind, but I was still sitting over here being miserable. You know, I came home um, not in one of those states one day and, we, you know, we always ate dinner together no matter what time because the kids had sports and all kind of things. My oldest daughter said, Dad, if you're so miserable in that world, why don't you just leave? And my first thought was, well, you're going to be going to college. I got to pay for college. I have a mortgage and health care. Then I stepped back and said, you know, you're right. I've, I've settled, right? I, it's in all this work. So, you know, she just you know, just innocently challenged me. And it's like, you know what, now it's time to really put it to work. And that's what I did. And, um, and I took what was happening behind the scenes and just brought it all out and intentionally focused and made that transition. And because I planned it and, you know, materialized it that way, I seamlessly just rolled into that world versus waiting for something to happen that I wasn't planning on. And I think that's a lot of times things happen even for people who know and could probably see it coming, but I'm not going to think about it. And then when it happens, they're all stressed out and they're not ready to, you know, manage your transition. Don't let someone else manage it for you or your change. Yeah, that's really, really important because it can feel like, I think it feels destabilizing. Well, I know it did for me when I was, you know, transitioning. It can feel like, okay, I was on this solid ground over here. Where's the next solid ground that, you know, solid, quote unquote, um, <laughs> that I'm going to stand on? Because um, at the time, it feels like you need to move from something solid to something solid. And then you realize like, oh, I can exist in this in the movement of life. And, yes. and that solid thing is just an illusion. But um, but I think it's it's a really easy time to kind of feel like someone else needs to tell you how to do it or, you know, to hand that over to somebody else when really I think the invitation is to step into like, no, I'm going to fully own, you know, this transition in my life. And like you said, you know, it's beautiful representation of being able to just start manifesting that yourself. Like, this is my domain. This is something I'm moving into. I'm moving away from, you know, a foundation that other people have created. Because in any corporation, someone else has created, you know, some sort of foundation that other people are sitting upon. Yeah, I mean, I think it uh, that's such an important point that you're the only one that can do it. You, you know, as a law, it has to be working all the time. You're the only one that's manifesting. Even if you're you're doing things based off this influence of others. You're the points of contact, right? And But too often you'll take on and say, allow, I call it identity theft, 
you allow your identity to be hacked and somebody else is programming for you what you should be doing. Like you should be doing this or you should be doing that. You shouldn't leave. You know, like I'm really fortunate that I have a great partner in life, my wife, who was very supportive on this. She could see that not being happy. That And, you know, but not everybody always has that support. And you have somebody back there telling you can't do this. You can't do that. Children of parents. Pro- and, and so, you know, you may wake up one day. It's like, man, who am I? Because I've, I'm programmed by all these things, but I'm not happy. And that's, you have to take a really sobering view and really look at that and know that you're the only one who can make that change and can make the things happen. Definitely. So what, what was the seedlings that, that became the book Unleash Your Future? Like how did that all start? Well, as I said, I was doing all this work in, in the corporate world, working with teaching scientific principles and applying them. And while at the same time I was delving into the law of attraction and what I realized was this interesting parallel that I just thought when I came out of school, science is science. You go somewhere, you show somebody the science, they're just gonna do it. What I found was people didn't want to take science, which was very known, hundreds of years old. It's like, um, but I don't wanna do it this other way. It's like, okay, well you can do it that other way, but it's not gonna work. Right. And so this law of attraction, I was just I just paralleled these worlds said, here's this science that I would call that's even more maybe a little further out there in the metaphysical world. But it's it's got the same kind of thing. People just want to do it their own way. So when I'm like, okay, I want to take as I'm experimenting this understanding and all of this knowledge that I've gained in and practically applying other scientific principles is directly applicable to the law of attraction in people's life. So it was just this perfect blend together. Now, when I decided and I asked um, Takara Sheeler to co-author it, we, we brought together this blend, me from the more physical, her from the more metaphysical, and we're able to, to teach it and tell the story from two different perspectives because what we wanted to do was give somebody different a different way of looking at it so they could identify maybe what path they were on and, and gain value from the different perspectives. So beautiful. And did you know her for a long time or? Yeah, I actually met her like 30. When I first started in the corporate world, I had met her. Then we kind of went our ways. And then I saw when she was out doing some of her metaphysical stuff. And then I came around to wanting to write the book and I reconnected and she was helping me. And then I said, I think we should write this together. So yeah, so I had known her and what she had been doing through time. So it's just, that's the other interesting part of that is you just never know where you're going to end up when you're winding around, which is why they say, you know, never burn bridges, never, you know, like, oh, you never know when somebody, you know, is going to turn back up in your life. And um, yeah, so it was very powerful um, interconnection again. That's beautiful. And what was the writing process like? Like, were you writing some parts and then she was writing, like, were you guys writing together? How did that work? Well, you know, for I'd been writing for years, right? But what happened was when, and I needed to, to get to this point where it was simplified, right? But not too simple, just right. When I knew that, I just started writing and I flowed straight out for 30 days, interconnected to my guides. She was doing the same thing. And we just took, you know, as I had my course, she was just, we, we just, she just weaved the two together. Right. Because we were in sync with what we were doing. So it was I won't say it was easy. Right. But it was easier to weave them because we were in sync. But the weaving part from her that she did, Takar did a great job with with the editing and and her son also helped. That weaving is 
you know, st it's still difficult, but it was made much easier because we were on the same wavelength. And do you think like, you know, because I think there's so much uh, going on in the world, like, you know, how there's certain times where things evolve, like clearly this is a time where we're looking at, okay, what is the science of this or something that's more physical? And then what's the more metaphysical aspect to it? I mean, you could even equate this to like, looking at the world through, let's say the 3D frequency, the 5D frequency, like, like different vantage points, right? Mm -hmm. On similar things, which I think is moving into a space where we become, you know, multidimensional in our vantage points with the ability to, you know, perceive information through different lenses simultaneously, instead of, let's say I perceive it through one lens and you perceive it through another only, that we're getting to this place where we can look from different, you know, angles, right? In a much more um, open and like, and streamlined way. And so I'm wondering from this process, were you, were you guys, you know, kind of having that vantage point? Was it interesting for you to like read her take on how we she- didn't, we, didn't do it. we didn't do it that way. It's oh, you did it? Okay. No, but here's what I'll say to, to your point though. We, we would talk you know, weekly, whatever. But what's clear is that these lenses and different vantage points, it's not just in this physical space, it's also in the unseen, in the metaphysical, in the space with guides. There were so often we'd be talking and boom, we would say the same thing at the same time. We'd have these chills because we were we were pulling information from all of these different places. And so the blend, that's where I'm saying, because we were on that wavelength, the physical blending of them in the book later was easier than it otherwise would be, but still the physical part of getting the words right. So flowed and all that, you know, I know it took a lot of work and Takar did, did a lot of work, but because we were, even when we weren't talking and we weren't reading what others were saying, we had been discussing this so long that what was coming out at that time was paralleling each other perfect. Interesting. It's like you were writing the same wavelength. Yes. And this is the part where I, you know, one of the, you know, we talk about five steps in the book and the first three steps are about how we program the universe with what we want. And, but the fourth one is action. When we talk about intuitive based action, your intuition and your connection to this information from beyond, which was so big for both of us in this writing is so important. And we want to discount it so much, right? Um, this, this power that, that we have. And, you know, whether you call it channeling or, or what you call it, I was just looking and there was a survey done by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, where they surveyed scientists, engineers, and general public. 90% of the people surveyed said that they've had at least one channeled experience in their life. Yet we never talk about it, right? We're always hiding. Oh, my crazy. What, what's going on? And there, that area is so... There's so much information that we can utilize. Even you talk to most business executives, they'll tell you intuition plays a big part in the decisions they make. Absolutely. And a lot of them, you know, even seek intuitive guidance, right? And they, you know, they're they're judging their own intuition. They're also receiving guidance on that. I mean, I think it's it's a time where, you know, this is coming out of the closet, so to speak, as far as people being able to more openly speak about it. Because I think you know, even five years ago, 10 years ago, but let alone 20 or 30 years ago, if you were the head of a major corporation, you you couldn't talk about this. No. And even for me, like as, you know, doing or, you know, I still do 
you know, standard technical consulting with, uh, with, you know, companies, me showing both these faces at times, it's, you know, it, it's interesting, but what I found here and, and you're hitting on it is that there are more people out there than not that actually are resonating with what I'm saying. You know, I would have thought like, Oh, I'm going to see it. It's like, no, they're like, Oh man, I thought like, I, I totally buy into that or this. So I've been very pleasantly surprised because what I realized is it's it's part of how I've been successful through my entire career. I don't just see the data. There's also this sense of, you know, as I said, where Einstein said, like, you, all these discoveries, they start with intuition, right? You, you can use your intuitive sense even when you're looking at data because particularly when it's coming in from the field in the wild in a, in a, in a live state. It's noisy, right? And so you have to use some other guidance. And then, but you don't just accept, oh, my intuition told me we should go do this. Like you, there are other ways that you can corroborate and cross-check and verify, right? But all of them together is where you get to success. What I found without the intuition, you're missing a really big tool that would be very valuable. Yes. And what's your vantage point on how this is unfolding at this time? Like, <clears throat> do you feel like people are have a lot more accessibility to their intuition than ever before. Like, what do you think is, you know, you, you're talking about the future and us being able to create, you know, our own future. Like where in your own, just your own ideas, like where is this all heading? Well, what, um, once the book was complete and I sat back and thought about it, for me, a natural a place that I thought this would naturally go to is that we could end up in a world where there would be different realities. And just think about where the world we are today. We have we have a great divide with people on each side of that divide equally believing in the worlds that which have been created, which both can't objectively be true at the same time. So what I think has happened, and I, I think it happens maybe more in one world than the, in, than the other, is it's this bit of giving away your power where individuals will just believe something because somebody said it. And then they'll only seek out information that corroborates that thing that they want to believe. And that's not the way that science works. That's not the way that we really find the best course forward. You need to listen to it all and blend it. So we have this, you know, this mythical group that's this middle road that we talk about particularly in the political world that are really trying to do that but really we all need to do that but to me the natural extension is you can create if we can create our reality then we can create any reality and i think i feel like we're seeing it today that we're seeing opposing realities being created and i just hope we can step back and find this way to listen and integrate knowledge from both sides yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, like you said, when you make a choice like this is true, then you're basically putting on blinders to like anything that is is not that, right? Or doesn't follow that same alignment, which is really like when I'm ever working with people, like I'm always fascinated at how much it's not that black or white, right? Like there are pieces of truth within things that are like, might not be true, right? It's a little bit more nuanced than than that, like, well, this is true, therefore everything else is false. And so you have to be, like you're saying, you have to be a little bit more detail-oriented before you're making these broad strokes. 
Yeah, and it takes a process of discernment, right? You Again, this goes back to that law of entropy, the law of Legos. You have to put in effort, right? It, it's, you know, you may say, well, it's easy. I'm just going to listen to all these people. But in, if you think about how science works, you have to be open to the counter um, hypothesis, right? Yeah. Because you can't, you can't just pick and choose the data you want to look at or, or it doesn't work that way. And so eventually it will bite you if you, if you don't allow yourself, um, you know, and feel confident. Yeah, bring on the opposite opinion. I, I think that we just don't do enough of that um, to make now to the point where we can't even get two people in the same room just to talk through their their different positions. Oh, like, you know, you asked me a gotcha question. Well, I just asked you what you thought. Right. <laughs> I, I, you know, so we we have to find a way back to this place of civil discourse because that's how information from all sides is where we really find the answers. Absolutely. I agree. So share with people where they can find out more about the book and more about your work in particular. So the book, you can find the book on Amazon, Unleash Your Future. Um, uh, Takar and I have a website together around the book called uh, newscienceofsuccess.com. My personal website, markboldazar.com, is going through a major reconstruction. So it's been kind of dated. So this week, I'm really kind of going through that. Um, and if you anybody wants to you know, contact me, you can email me at uh, markboldazar.yahoo.com. In the meantime, while my website's going. So I'm, I'm very accessible. I love to have conversations and hear from people. And, um, you know, everything's about those one-on-one -on -one conversation. There's not a cookie cutter approach out there in the world. So I like it to be custom oriented. That's beautiful. Thank you, Mark, for all that you shared, the book, Unleash Your Future. Um, it's really an exciting time to be able to create our realities. And just, you know, thank you for your contribution and your vantage point that you've brought to this conversation. It's, it's important and it's valuable. And, you know, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, John. I appreciate the time. Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. We are spreading the love far and wide. And you know where to find me over at IG at the Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love. Here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings.